Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of The Modern Jeeper Show. There was a comment made to Jesse, and there was, she was talking with a gentleman about um, he he just he ran into our group and he was in a, like a Toyota pickup or something, and he said, "Well, Titus is you know closed, yeah. but you guys are all capable, so you, I mean you could still go do it." Yeah. And Jesse's like, "Well, no, it's it's closed, and it's closed. Yeah, it's it's a closed. The, the park service has closed it. Yeah, but you guys could just go around the signs, and you can still go down that trail." Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matt's from Metal Cloak here, and welcome to episode 209 of The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. I got a chance to catch Corey and Jesse hot off the Death Valley adventure, and we go down several rabbit holes, including Silicon Valley Bank and Jeep's latest recall. We also dive deep into the Rubicon Trail Foundation's black tie and boots, which I was the MC of this last weekend, expanding the 2023 CTI Tour, Zona Overland's Big Break, and what was completely unexpected at this year's Death Valley Spring Adventure. By the way, for the full experience of this episode and to check out our other amazing videos, please visit youtube.com slash moderncheaper. As always, we're incredibly grateful for this episode to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Baja Designs, Rugged Radios, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. And friends, truly, if you like this episode, we'll be so grateful if you subscribe to the pod, told your friends about it, and gave us a nice review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now sit back. Relax with the cold one and enjoy episode number 209 of the Modern Jeepers Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers. It's another episode of the Modern Jeepers Show with me, Matt, from Metal Cloak. And yes, Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. <clears throat> my, Welcome back. My, my throat's a little bleh, but Well, you know, we're, it's the death, death, death Valley Dest. And of course, Valley. Rockstar Jeep Girl, Jesse. Hi. It's I, mostly I it you had the a... allergies. The spring has started here. Ooh, the spring has started there? Wow, because yes. it's still wet and, and, and cold everywhere well, else. We saw your lightning sitting in our campground the other night. Yeah. <laughs> Over the mountain. I'm so, pretty sure it was wow. the same lightning. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you know, they promised big lightning and thunderstorms <laughs> up in this area. My kids are disappointed. I'm like, where is it, Daddy? I'm like, you hear that one in the far distance? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Oh, daddy, that's not good. That's not what you promised us. Made me out to be a liar. <laughs> Mother nature making me out to be a liar. <laughs> you did, I take it, Jesse, you had a nice long shower yesterday. Yes. Hair done. Because you do not look like somebody who just got off the trail. You no. look like you, you're all back and put together and all looking good. I don't know about awake. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty beat up so <laughs> that's okay. But yes, it was nice to finally have a shower. It's nice. Awesome. Nice, nice. Uh well how was it? Tell me. Oh, well, we, oh. before we get into before we get into that, before yeah. we get into that, I, I have something that's on my chest. I need to talk to, I just want to talk to our community and I just want to get this out here real quick. But the whole thing that happened over the weekend was Silicon Valley Bank. And the only reason I want to bring this up is it's important to I've noticed that in the conservative world, there seems to be this like, oh, my God, the government is bailing out another bank like we had back in the in 2008, 2009. And I got to say, guys, that is not this case. All right. Nope. I don't know the details as far as how deep the government's going when it comes to SVB. But the general consensus is that if you're a shareholder in SVP or you're an executive in SVP, VP or any of that, you're 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 screwed. Sorry. SVB is a bank. Silicon Valley Bank is done. However, 
there was $170 billion in deposits in this bank, $170 billion. Most of that was VCs, companies, Silicon Valley companies, startups. We're not talking about these. No. This, we're not talking about Facebook money here, guys. We're talking about the, the little mom and pop startup, the guy who was working in his garage that, that was given a uh, maybe a $10 million runway to try to do it. And he's burning, you know, uh, he's burning that up pretty quickly because he had hired a bunch of employees because he's doing a bunch of research to try to find out if he can now have the, the next best solution for climate change or whatever else they seem to be working on. But these are all the startups. Everyone of those startups has employees. When this got announced, most of those guys went, oh my God, I can't make payroll because all of a sudden my money is locked up. And that's the big thing because all of a sudden there was there were some bad decisions made by the bank. But when the government comes in and freezes everything, all of a sudden you can't get your money out. You can't get, you can't do anything with it and your money's stuck. So now you can't pay your employees. Your employees can't pay their mortgage. Mortgages, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So this could have been, this could have been an extinction level event, an extinction level event. What does that mean? It means that something occurs that causes a rippling effect and more businesses and more businesses and more businesses go out of out of business. I mean, just the rippling effect of this. So when the government did what they did, which was basically to backstop it and say, it's not a bailout, it's a backstop. We're not going to let this go farther, is what they did. They did exactly what they should be doing. They stopped it. They came in and said, every depositor, every penny of your money in there, you're going to get able to get back. So if you had $10 million of your company money in there, or a million dollars of your company money in there, or half a million dollars of your company money in there, you can get that out. Well, why is that? Why is that important? Because two hundred fifty thousand dollars is all the government covers, right? The FDIC insurance of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which probably at one point in time was pretty good. It's only good for individuals. It's not good for. It's not good for the uh, the employers. It's not good for the companies. That's not enough for the companies. So at some point they're going to have to make some changes on it. Now. Where that money should have been, you know, instead of treasuries, and there's a whole other reason as to why SVP failed when they were a fairly viable company. I mean, if you look at the bank and you look at the actual bank sheet, it's just where they chose to put their money and the reaction to inflation. And everybody's pointing fingers at them like, oh, yeah, buy, you know, oh, yeah, how can you didn't know about inflation? How can you make these on? They put money in 10 year treasuries. I mean, it, from a certain standpoint of like you think that's that money's still there except now it's worth less if you try to sell it early if you sold it in 10 years you get all your money back if you sell it in two years the interest rates go up it's worth less and so the paper is worth less but if you're an employer or a company or somebody who put money into silicon valley bank you want that money out there's companies that do payroll for a living there's silicon valley companies that do payroll for a living and they couldn't make the payroll for the their clients because of SVB being closed so i'm just glad i just want to put that out there i'm glad that it got covered i'm glad the government's doing what it's doing if they do it right they'll actually come out with a profit for the american people and not just the taxpayer loss that's my rant huh. anything huh <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I have a whole lot of thoughts, but we're not on the uh, banker's show. And I think no. people need to understand how a bank works, number one. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the general population understands that. People think that they go put money in a bank and it sits in some little box with their name on it. And then when they come <laughs> in, they go, hey, I want my money back. And that's just not how this works. And this right. is also not a bank that was – it's not where you and I store our money. It's not who we deal with as a bank. So – uh, you're, you're exactly right. And it's um, what happens is it creates all this fear and then it's a run on the banks. This is what causes banks to fail is when everybody shows up the door and says, I want my money right now. Right. The money's there. They just don't have it in a cash bag. They can just hand you back. So, mm -hmm. again, it's 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 the media spinning things because what else are they going to talk about? Literally, it's it's they got to create fear. They got to create this issue that really doesn't even exist. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. And it's and unfortunately, in the way it works in Silicon Valley, this is how I heard it best described. Bob says, "Ooh, this is hot. And Frank says, oh, hey, Bob says this is hot. Ooh. And then somebody else says, hey, Bob and Frank says this is hot. Boom. And then Bob, Frank and George think it's hot and so on and so on. So somebody had a suggestion that maybe we maybe when they came out and said, we're going to do a little bit of sales, we have to raise some money. I went, oh, maybe I should pull my money out. Oh, hey, he's pulling his money out. Oh, he's pulling. And it becomes a bank run. I heard it described that in the early, in the 20s, there were literally 
hundreds of banks that failed because of constant bank runs, a hundred bank runs a, a year. I mean, just somebody will all of a sudden be a bank run and the movie, that's a wonderful life. That's what it's all about, right? Try to save a bank from people deciding, I want my money out now. You don't have your money out. In the case of It's Wonderful Life, George, your money's tied up in, 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 in Frank's house. And Frank, your money's tied up in Betsy's house. You know, I can't just get it all to you. Well, that was It's Wonderful Life. And the same thing's here. All of a sudden, all this money, they went out. Well, they can't. They don't have it. It's just not liquid deposits. It's mm -hmm. not liquid money. Now, there is, there is some failures. There absolutely are failures of that bank. But it's not the depositor's fault because the depositors weren't going and saying, hey, put my money in high-risk assets so I can try to get more money. What they said was, put my money, my money is sitting in a money market. The safest, one of the safest investments you have, it should be liquid money market. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we put that money over here. Oh, so I can't have it back? No. Okay, fail. So anyway, I think it's good. And it's something we could talk about at some other point because Corey does have a lot of history in this and I'd love more on it. But that being said, it's just another example of you guys go away for Death Valley and all of a sudden the world changes behind you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know what? It, it's all for the worst too. So uh, it seems like when things change, well, one thing that hasn't changed is the weather. Mm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, right. You know, it's it's uh, and it's it's not just in the West now. It's happening all across the United States. I saw this morning where the the river that's flowing into California off the Pacific Ocean is now five thousand miles long, and it's not going to stop. It's it's going to flow this kind of weather towards us for a long time. We're we're still in Vegas, so we got out of Death Valley uh, yesterday and uh, came down here to kind of regroup. We had. Uh, one of our, our attendees, our, our videographer, had some carnage issues, so we wanted to make sure he was able to get uh, what he needed to get back home all the way to Minnesota. Is he getting taken um, care of? Yeah, so the, uh, the, his gladiator, we can talk a little bit about this, he, he actually accidentally fell into a hole, basically, alongside one of the roads. Flood damage. Flood, flood damage um, in the park, which is very, very common everywhere. When the tire fell in the hole, it, it was a deep hole. Like it, it. I'm sure he didn't say, but I'm sure it lifted the back of the gladiator up when the uh, when the driver's tire fell into the hole. So this is the short side on the Dana 44 front axle, and so that you know that that whole axle tube is about yay mm -hmm. long. It's not very long, but it hit with enough force that it split the center section at the tube and kind wow. of bro broke the the tube out of the differential essentially wow yeah not a lot of not a whole lot of options of course especially inside death valley national park we were able to i took a couple of ratchet straps through the sea to hold the tube back into the differential and then we actually used uh, some factor 55 recovery gear kind of a synthetic loop one of the uh, recovery loops through the top of the sea shackle. Uh, soft shackle and then uh, used his winch to basically get some tension on keeping the C upright so the tire wow. didn't fold over. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it he, held. <laughs> it held. He drove that all the way back to the little ghost town of Ballarat and then uh, was able to use the folks to shout out to the folks at Ballarat. Um, Chuck and his wife are amazing people and um, they, they just do a fantastic job and they're really trying to bring Ballarat uh, back up to, uh, what it was like in the past a little bit. They're doing a lot of uh, fixing up to the place. And anyway, so they were able to get Wi-Fi. Dell, I sent Dell back with Alex. And then I took the rest, we took the rest of the group back up, up into uh, Golar Wash. Called a tow truck. Tow truck broke down. <laughs> uh, so they, they actually Ow. drove Alex's Jeep back out to the highway and waited for the tow truck. And then the tow truck said, yeah, sorry, we, we can't come get you. And that was it. So wow. they left his Jeep there, went back to Ballarat, called a different tow company, which had to come out of Ridgecrest and uh, got them, uh, came out, picked them up, took the Jeep back to Ridgecrest, him and Dell, and kind of evaluated the situation. They, they actually ran into a guy that was, is an Ultra 4 guy, uh, KOH guy, has a little garage in Ridgecrest. He knew Dell and, and uh, you know, the, we, we thought maybe we could weld the tube back into the differential. But as, as if you're 
a welder, you know that you that nodular iron, that 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 different cast, it's pretty hard to get a weld to stick to. And the more they looked at it when they pulled that tube out, well, the entire there's like a giant triangle, like literally probably three inches of a triangle that tore out of the backside of the differential. Oh my gosh. Um, so wow. Yeah, and the bad part about it, of course, again, is well, you, that's a 2020 Gladiator, and he was looking for, I mean, basically, you're going to have to have a replacement housing. Pretty tough to find. Sure. Uh, ended up, he, w- you know, we kind of called around to some shops and thought maybe we could salvage one out of a junkyard, and his Jeep has an extended warranty on it. You really don't want to go throwing a bunch of mis fit parts back in the thing just to get him somewhere else called his insurance company. They're like, Oh, we'll, we'll take care of it. So they're going to actually tow it to Bakersfield probably today. Uh, he, Alex has a rental car. Now they're towing it to Bakersfield to a Jeep dealership in Bakersfield and we'll have it all the work done and the front end replaced by Jeep. Uh, just to keep warranty items intact. It'll have a, a warranty on this new front end, all of that kind of stuff. Insurance is taken care, care of it. What, what's his insurance company? That's awesome. American Family. American Family, wow. Yeah, I, I, and I, you know, I've, I have had American Family insurance in the past, and those are it, it, they've never let me down in, in years ago. So it, uh, I gave him a rental car, and he's driving back to uh, Minnesota. He's just on the other side of Las Vegas this morning, and so we'll be following him back as he, he makes his way home. And then, so, and then just going to ship his rig back to him or what? So once it's fixed, he'll fly out and then have to drive it back. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, it adds to the drama of the video. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm sure he was, while this was going on, was he, was he still filming? Um, a lot of it, you know, he was bummed because (laughs) we, uh, he didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with the second group. And, uh, but the, the first trip was, was amazing. amazing. Um, that's what I heard. The weather was, eh, it wasn't too terrible. Um, we had a bunch of wind and that kind of thing, but. Um, so I, yeah. I realized, so guys, guys and gals, Corey's got one of those spots and uh, where, you know, he can, it automatically sends out messages or whatever and says, or, you know, Hey, I'm doing fine. And this is where I'm at. And now, you know, and that way we all know that he's still alive and everything's good. But I realized the real reason he has it is going, this is where I'm at. And he should, you should change the phrase from this is where I'm at. I'm just checking in to make sure I'm good. But this is where I'm at. Na, 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 na. Like, because <laughs> yes. like, well, every time I click on that, and I say, where are you at now? And I click on it and it goes in, and it goes in and scrolls in. I'm like, okay, he's at a hot springs. Yeah, whatever. And yeah, it, right. And in like, okay, he's there. Whatever. And it's just like, he's just doing, na, 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 na. Like where I'm at, you're uh-huh. not here. Be- you should have been well, here. You're I'll, a loser. I'll tell you, tell you a little bit about the spot. So we didn't have service, of course. Uh, we were able. So Dell has a the same GMRS radio that I have, and and that Jesse has. It's it's rugged radio's base unit, the 45 watt big radio. We were able to communicate with him, and we were a, we were further than 20 miles apart over wow. a mountain range. They were down in Ballarat and we were actually up in Stripe Butte area, which is kind of this big valley up above um, uh, Mingle Pass. And we could faintly hear him. He could hear us. We, we, I thought we had heard on the radio that they were fixed and they were heading our way. So the spot enables us to, you can, you can text somebody if you don't have cell service. Well, the problem is they have to have service to receive the text too. We, we got to our campsite the second night and mm-hmm. waited until about 10, kept all of the radios on just in case they were going to get close to camp. Cause we thought maybe they were still going to show up and uh, we got, we heard nothing. Um, the next morning I had sent Dell a text by the, by the spot. And uh, the next morning I get a, uh, who's this Re- response from <laughs> Dell. And uh, so they were in Ridgecrest, but it was pretty mm. cool. So I was able to text with him and, and he could text me back. So I kind of knew what was going on while we were in the middle of the trip. But oddly enough, this little device 
kind of, uh, how do I say it politically correct, uh, shit the bed. Um, <laughs> after the fact, it was like. Yeah, it, uh, it basically froze. And it's frozen in the past. So I did a couple of hard resets. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. How so, old is that one? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's old. I mean, I've had it's this. Like origi- it's like original, right? Yeah. No Bluetooth or anything like that. It doesn't connect to your cell phone like the new ones can. But I, and I tried a whole bunch of stuff. I tried plugging it in and, and letting it like reset and all of that. And I, I got nothing. So once we got back into service and, uh, uh, well, actually, last night I, I did uh, I phoned Spot the company and said I've got some problems, and I, one of their techs got on the phone, and you know, it, well, is the power on? Yeah, the power's on. Well, let's try a hard reset. Yeah, okay. You, you go, go you emotions. know, you go through all of those things that <laughs> right, they're reading right. the script from, and uh, plugged it into the computer, still nothing. And he said, "Oh, it sounds like your device is kind of locked up." <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's that's what I was needing to hear. So they escalated it. And it was kind of funny because when it was plugged into the computer, there was also it came up and there was a firmware update. And I said, well, should I try to install the firmware? No, no, don't do that. That, That'll just it'll erase the device. And and we won't know, you know, to we won't be able to um, to 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 troubleshoot it um, when one of the other techs calls you tomorrow because they're all out of the office. So we hung up and I sat there for a minute and of course I had to click on update the firmware. I did. You did. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it came back. The screen came back up. Everything's fine. I reloaded everything on it and yeah. It's fine. So yeah. maybe there was an issue with the last firmware or something. I don't know, but it seems to work again. But I tell you, you got to have a way. One of the guys on our trip, on our second trip, he actually had a sat phone with him. So if things were going to get really bad, you know, we, we, we always seem to have a couple of ways to, to communicate. But in this case, I mean, thank goodness Dell was there. I mean, he was able to get and, and spend, you know, I'd, I'd be pretty freaked out if you break your axle in the middle and, and you don't know where you're at. So to have him be able to take Alex back to Ridgecrest and, and get him there safely was, was worked. It worked out really well. Well, that's good. That's good. Alex is a good guy, and I'm glad it all got taken care of. Dell called me sometime on Saturday or Saturday. 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 Yeah, I called me Saturday. I was running around, and I was getting ready for the Rubicon Trail Foundation's black tie and boots. And he called me, and and uh, it's like, and and he's asking me questions, like, uh, you know. I'm not there. <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm going to make some decisions for you, man. I'm not there. Right. Just figure out do do what you need to do on site. Well, well, Corey, Corey said, "I'm like, dude, you guys just you just figure it out if you need to go and take care of him. Ultimately, let's just take care of him and get right. it taken care of, and that's fine. And and if you if it means you're not on the rest of the trip, that's okay too, man. We'll we'll just that's fine. Just take care of it. So I just thought it was funny. He was calling me. I'm like, I I I, I can make a decision for you. <laughs> right on the ground man i'm not yeah. boots on the ground you figure it out yeah i mean we were so. we were contemplating all you know we could loop back around i could take the cti trailer um that was in Beatty over to ridgecrest and then I, but i'm like well what are we going to do with it we we still need a front housing and now that the tube's out i can't even really get it on the trailer it really needs a flatbed and i it's like i, I told alex i'm like well what what do you need to do and he's like well i'd like to get home I'm like, I would, <laughs> I would follow that advice. I would, uh, yeah. If insurance is willing to step up, uh, file a claim, let them take care of it. And sometimes it's just easier. We all want to, we all want to fix it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We all want to, you know, um, and he had options of, you know, some f- people were reaching out, you know, I think even David at, uh, Synergy reached out and said, well, we can get you a, a curry housing and, yeah, um, you know, thirty five hundred to five thousand dollars later, and then swapping parts out of it, and and that's again, he just needed to get home, and it worked out good. I mean, it really did. Good, good, good. That's awesome. I'm glad it worked out, and it's always <laughs> cool, you know, seeing what real network you have when you're posting stuff and and how the world checks that up i mean and that's where i'm on the other side of it like that's awesome like but i wasn't on facebook or anything watching anything and all of a sudden you know all I, the reason i knew it happened is because i got a phone call from dell 
Oh, good. But I know you. I knew you guys would take care of them. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It all worked out. So, awesome. so how was this? Uh, I mean, I uh, saw this morning uh, your live post, your live feed. Tell us about the Rubicon Trail Foundation. So, so it was their thirteenth year. Would have been their fourteenth year, but they um, they had to, you know had the COVID year, so they couldn't do it. But it's called Black Tie and Boots. And um, over the years, I've known about it, but this is this is kind of the sad part. It's like they would have been on their 14th year. We've been open for 14 years. So they basically did the first year in our first year, the business here. We've never gone before. We've supported them every year. We always donate stuff for their silent auction or live auction, all that kind of stuff. We support them. But for whatever reason, one, they moved it over here to the Marriott, which is right near us. So it's like stone's throw away. And, um, and I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and support them this year. But I also got asked to be the MC this year. So I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. That's not a problem. Get up there and talk a bunch of BS to a bunch of people about the greatest trail in the world. I can do that. And and so we we bought a table and we had some good people out there. Aaron was out there. Justin uh, with his wife. Uh, Danny with his wife. Um, Hunter um, and his wife and my wife and I. And uh, it was it was there was like three hundred people there. I mean, this was and this is not like a small awesome. little bit like. 50, we only thought 50, 70, 100, maybe 150, but there's 300 people at that, at this event. There's such a feeling like you've been to conferences before where everybody there is on the same page, right? And this wasn't just like, okay, we're all into off-roading or we're all into <clears throat> just wheeling or we're all into Jeeps or we're all into, it's like, we're all there for the greatest trail in the world. We're all there because we're fans of the Rubicon Trail, everybody in that room. So it was electrifying. It was incredible. Um, I can't say specifically what the actual dollar amount raised was because I haven't really gotten permission to it. From what I've heard, it was double last year. That's awesome. And the, the money flowing from the live auction was just incredible because some of the stuff that was live auction, like a little nine millimeter that was going to be Cerakoted in the colors of the Rubicon Trail Foundation, <laughs> that went for over $5,000. Wow. But what was cool about it is there was a bidding war going on between Jeff Arabia of Arabia's Overkill and another guy, and uh, it was going back and forth and back and forth. The auctioneer went, he made a, he made a couple of conversations in the back and came back and said, Jeff, okay, because Jeff didn't win. Ultimately, the other guy won the Rubicon Trail Foundation. He goes, Jeff, if I can get one made in Arabia's Overkill cover, colors, which is green and purple, would you want it? Goes, yeah. All right. So he sold two. Right. So and so he'll get he'll have his own unique one that's done in rabies overkill colors, right? Same thing happened with the metal cloak um sponsorship. We did a I did a little package and it was kind of funny. My original donation was uh, a modern Jeeper adventure. And then with with all the changes and stuff we're doing right now, which we'll talk about at some other time in another episode, um I said, <laughs> Well, we should do something a little bit different. So I did a yeah, so let's throw something together. So I did one of our Rubicon Trail maps, the framed ones, right? The ones that are, that are on canvas. I did one of those. I did a $500 gift certificate. I did a tour of the facility uh, for two people and lunch with me for two people, right? And I'm thinking, after I'm thinking about that, I'm going, that's not going to, like, there's things going for two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. And that's going to go for like a thousand bucks. Like, who, who, that's like, it's you no. Know, is it really that important to go have lunch with Matson or 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 to get a tour of the facility? I mean, that's just it's just a joy ride, right? So I went up there and I gave a little bit of color commentary about it to, for the auctioneer, um, and then I threw in there. You know what? We're going to do an adventure, metal cloak adventure. I don't know where it's going to be, but I'll throw that in uh, for tickets for one Jeep for two people can join us on this metal cloak adventure. It's going to invitation only event, and that went for forty one hundred dollars. That's awesome. And then I went up there and said, we'll do two. So two people put in 4,100 bucks um, to be a part of that and uh, to nice. do that. So that's cool. So, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. So we, it was a great evening, lots of fun, good people, had a lot of fun being the MC out there. You know, I hope they invite me back. I feel like, you know, like the Oscars, like, yeah, nobody came up and slapped me. <laughs> nobody slapped me. <laughs> nobody you slapped me. probably should have been slapped, though. I probably should have been. I should, you know, and the thing is, I got everybody going because. I hate it. I hate it when you go up and you start talking to people in a group and they go, Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? And you go, Yay. Right. That's just, I hate that. Like, <laughs> even if at skills day, it's like, All right, guys, how are we doing today? Yay. Like, Yay. No, 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 no. How are we doing? Like, Oh, yeah. All right. And then my mantra all evening was the greatest trail in the world. So we're all here today. We're doing this stuff and we're raising money. Remember, every dollar we're raising today is here to help the greatest trail in the world. 
And by the third or fourth time, I got them trained. So every time I would say that, they would just go, the whole crowd would go up, right? So it was fun. It was just keeping it going. And it was a good people. Great stuff and some beautiful artwork and a lot of original stuff from uh, different artists there. Uh, a lot of great. There was a there was a bidding war going on between a hand-painted Rubicon Trail sign. So there was a bidding war going that. Then it would go for like a couple thousand dollars. And then a Rubicon Trail Foundation fire pit that was custom-made. That ended up going for like seventeen fifty, bidding wars going back and forth in the silent auction. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Nice. And of course, you know, good food. Of course, you know, filet mignon and tiramisu cake and cheesecake and wine, which I didn't partake. Uh, coffee, which I did partake lots of. Um, so it, was, <laughs> it was great. I, I'm looking forward to it next year. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know. This year, it seems that uh, the majority of, I think, a lot of trails, uh, a lot of events, um, we we just uh, got a, a, some additional rules sent for some of the events. Uh, everybody now, I think, is seeing that the off-road industry can provide them some funding in order to protect what, what, what we've been doing for a number of years. And I think like, like RTF, which is, has been around for a long time, it's interesting to me that some of these events are now going, hey, the, the, the city is now recognizing that there's all this money coming into these larger events. And not only do they want to be protected insurance-wise, things like that, but they're also then going, how can we guarantee us, let's let's rent these guys space to have their event. Uh, even on, uh, like we talk about New Jersey a little bit, being on the beach, now the city is kind of like, well, you're going to have to show us a map of the space you need and we'll rent you space on the beach for your event. Whereas in the past, it's been a little bit kind of like, okay, hey, here's the space, here's, we're gonna, what, here's yeah. the money. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that um, some of these municipalities, some of these uh, trail areas, they need funding to mm-hmm. stay afloat. And because they're being, more is being asked of them as well. They're, it's insurance costs. It's all of these costs that uh, we've just kind of, you know, we just assume that, of course, the Rubicon Trail is going to be there. They can't close it. Well, they sure can. And they did, um, actually. They closed it in they, December. It's a big, big, big flap out here because they closed it in December. Absolutely. Everybody pretty much illegally closed it. And it was a you know, huge flap, huge problem. But you can't. You, you're, you're right. You never know. These events can go away. That's what that we just dealt with with TDS. We were out of Terra del Sol. And right. Terra del Sol is a shell of what it was before because of the local municipalities, the local groups. The BLM, everybody else deciding, hey, uh, we're putting a lot of effort out here. Where's our piece of the pie? <laughs> right. How come How come we're not making any money? You guys seem to all be happy. Where, where's yeah. ours? And yeah. we, we even had this conversation inside the National Park where, you know, Caltrans the, handles the highways and whatnot. But inside the National Park, it's a little different because you're also dealing with a federal entity as well. And their funding is a little different. Death Valley is one of the few parks that is able to take some of that those dollars, they're actually, I think, one of the only parks that their entrance fees can be directly applied to uh, needs within the park as far as road repairs and things like that. Right now, they're using a lot of that funding to repair Scotty's Castle. But like these roads, they're, they're not on a priority list when, I mean, I, gosh, I just saw where uh, John Slayton, one of our sales guys, he just got power back after... 13 days or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so all of these, all of these resources are being pulled in a hundred different directions. And all of a sudden people go into the national park and they go, Hey, wait a minute, this is dumb. I just paid my fee to get into the park, but you're telling me I can't go to these areas because the roads are closed. Who's who can I point my finger at? And that's, it's unfortunate. And, and, you know, things happen, weather happens and things have to get repaired. But the expectation is, but I, I paid my fee. So are my fees going to get reduced if I can't go to as many places? Mm, no. <laughs> right. No, that never happens. <clears throat> right. That, that never happens at all. Yeah. Well, it's the same way on a park. You go to Disneyland, pay your 200 bucks, but then one of the rides closed. Right. Sorry. Yeah. You're, you're out of luck. We just did the rides just have to be closed. You're out of luck. Sorry. So it, it is interesting because there, there, there is so much. Like the Rubicon Trail for in and of itself. I mean, the Rubicon Trail Foundation is responsible for keeping that trail open so that years and years and years from now, that decades from now, that 
your our grandchildren's grandchildren can go to it, right? That's the goal. That will always be there. But it takes effort. You know, it takes effort. It takes effort on the side of these parks. It takes effort on the side of Death Valley. When you and I, when I went there last in the fall, it was pretty amazing how much repairs had already been done. Yes. From the flooding, right? And the fact that they are on it, the fact that nobody's just sitting back going, well, you know, we'll get to that part. No, no. It's like they're on it. They're doing it. They're repairing it. They're working it, right? And Well, I I'm think assuming- I can't remember if we if we talked about it in the last podcast or not, but there was a comment made to Jesse and there was, she was talking with a gentleman about um, he, he just he ran into our group and he was in a, like a Toyota pickup or something. And he said, well, Titus is you know closed, yeah. but you guys are all capable. So, you, I mean, you could still go do it. Yeah. And Jesse's like, well, no, it's it's closed and it's closed. Yeah, it's it's a closed. The, the park service has closed it. Yeah, but you guys could just go around the signs and you can still go down that trail. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I had wow. to have a little education session with wow. this guy. Like, yeah, and it's yeah. like, do you not understand? It's clo- like, and people just, they, that, they, don't they, care. That's, they don't have to, those are rules for somebody else. Like, so it, ah. you're, you're touching on something that is big a part of the major problem that we're dealing with in society and alone. Like the, the, the whole thing, and this is, this is, I'm not going to get political at all, guys, but just go back to what was happening COVID, pre-COVID. When COVID occurred, the rules, everything set up, it were, there's this general mentality that rules are for suckers, that that <laughs> that the law is just the law when you want it to be the law. But the fact that we spent, you know, the fact that the law wasn't being enforced on certain people and certain avenues and certain things for so much that we're supposed to respect it. No, there's this general disrespect for the rule of law that unfortunately is like the precursor to chaos, because if you don't have, you have anarchy is disregard of all laws. And if all you have is a general disregard for the rules and the laws that make up what we consider to be community society. I mean, it's, it, they're there for a reason guys. They're not there because somebody's being a dick and going to put it up there and says, but they are there, right? And we yeah. have to we have to have a certain amount of respect for that. It's just in, insane to sit and go, well, the sign's right there. Yeah, who cares? Just go around it. It's all right. Mm-hmm. No, no, that just well, and, that and, just and like you know, it is everywhere too. And it's it's who's going to police it? Who's going to? We can create new rules, and but we can't enforce them. So when you have uh, very few uh, enforcers, if you will. Uh, then people know that, well, it, it's kind of like speeding, right? Like, well, mm. everybody's speeding, so I'm not going to get caught. I mean, everybody's doing it, but it's still not legal. It's not right, but you, yeah, well, mm, right. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a weird, there's a, definitely a weird thing. What's your average, I mean, obviously you, you go across the country, when you're towing a truck, what's your average speed? Well, I'm I'm so different. Everybody knows that I'm the yeah, slow what, guy. What's your average I, speed? I mean, I when I'm pulling, I'm typically 65 to between 65 and 70 if it's a 75 speed limit. Right. What was interesting is you said you're the slow guy, right? We got to remember back in the early by the it was the early 90s. It was 94, 96 when the law got changed. 55 miles 55. an hour, guys. Yeah. We used to be max. 55 yeah. guys. If you're if you're new, you've never driven before, and you're young generation, and you're out there going, well, I'm cruising at 70. Yeah, today we cruise at 70, 80 miles an hour like it's nothing. Right. 55 was the speed limit across the country, guys, across the country, right? Yep. And but most of us violated that. Most of us would be driving at 70 miles an hour and going, <laughs> yeah, well, I just got very good at looking at my rearview mirror and make sure I didn't see the copper in the in the Camaro or the copper <laughs> in the Mustang, whoever happened to be back there, right? That's what the rules were. That's that's I mean there so we all that violation occurred. But there's a certain point where yes, there are stupid there are stupid laws. But you have to suffer the consequences. I was willing to pay the fine if I right. did that. I wasn't going to be like, well psh- you can't give me that. I'm I'm protesting it. No, I just okay. If I got caught, I pay the fine. I made a conscious decision, but you knew consciously what it was. I think I, even even these guys saying, well, if they went around there and then all of a sudden they got caught and got billed or fine, they probably would have you know protested it. Like, whoa, you can't put a sign up like that. Well, yeah, yes, they can. Anyway, man. So death valley. Yeah. So t- t- tell us more about the trip itself. Like, uh, like where? Did, where? What unique places did you go? 
We um, we did some things differently this year, for sure. And that's always been um, our goal is to make, make sure that uh, we, we, we still haven't seen all the places in the park. So uh, it's always important for us to be able to explore new places or do things a little bit differently. Uh, we ended up doing Echo Canyon uh, backwards. So typically we'd be in first Furnace Creek and come out through Echo. And uh, this time we started over in Beatty and went into uh, Echo backwards, which doing things backwards sometimes it kind of sounds funny like oh you've already done that trail well you do it the other way and the perspectives and the views and the things you see are completely different Mm -hmm. um so uh yeah and then i mean we stayed in in furnace creek at a regular campground the very first night which is rare uh and then we kind of these these two trips we did a lot more i would call them touristy places we typically don't don't visit some of the the places that we we see you know all the the subarus and the the little cars at and stuff like that but this trip in order to get to some of the places around the valley um we we drove down through bad water which we'd never done before with a group um artist drive which is another popular tourist uh little paved road through the park uh and then we headed way south we went way south clear outside of the park into a little town called shoshone and the Ibex Wilderness, which is in the kind of the south, south uh, east corner that would be of the park. And again, we ran into a situation where we pull up at a gas station and uh, all the pumps are oh, out of no. service. Oh, no. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it was a planned fuel stop. So we ended up having to, it, you know, it was only a, a 23 miles to the next uh, fuel stop, which was in Pahrump. So we actually drove all the way to Pahrump, but one of our attendees uh, actually lived in the Pahrump area and had a whole bunch of knowledge of local trails in the Pahrump area. So it was a, it was cool because he would he was telling us a little bit about their Jeep club in the Pahrump area and the trails they go on and worked out pretty well. We got to go into a little convenience store, which everybody everybody loves a good convenience store, <laughs> especially in Death Valley. And then we had a, we had, you know, we went all the way around the the Ibex end and had an amazing sunset and cooked an amazing dinner and everybody got to sit around a campfire and it was fantastic. And then the third day, we actually went back up and over uh, Golar Wash and into Ballarat, turned everybody loose there. We headed back over to Lone Pine to pick up the second half and it literally, we had, we had the one day where the weather was okay and then it, it was a downpour. I mean, it was rain wow. and it was rain snow. And rain and, and, yeah. um, wow. So when we actually left Lone Pine on the second trip, it was pouring down rain. Um, I was like, we need to get out of here before the flood. Yeah. Because it yeah. didn't stop raining all day. Yeah. And it, wow. we, all night. we drove, uh, Cerro Gordo was actually closed because the roads were still, still had snow on them. Ended up going uh, through Darwin Wash into the little town of Darwin. Came out to Panamint Springs and and everybody fueled up, got a milkshake. Raining. Headed down to our favorite place of Minietta. Uh, the Minietta mine though was had some uh, neat uh, occupants at the some time. Some folks in it, if you will. You know, I, I unfortunately, and we had this conversation while we were out there. The parks. Are, are there, there's obviously a lot of people in the parks. Um, and this time of year, you don't see that many. And we, I was, I was surprised the campgrounds were full, even though it was wow. cold and windy, the campgrounds were pretty Packed. much full because people don't have to work anymore. And if they do work, they can work from anywhere. So a lot of Starlink antennas, people sitting in their, really? in their tents. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, you know, it's the van life thing. It's, it's a reality. And, and I get it. Like they can literally work from anywhere now. So, so we ended up actually going uh, further down. We, we didn't stop at the Minietta. We went down into Ballarat and that was the first, uh, first night. We were still outside the park a little bit, just south of Ballarat. And that's where Axel, a- or uh, Alex's Axel, Alex's Axel, mm. huh? Mm. Two X's. That's weird. Uh, Alex's mm. Axel broke. That was kind of a bummer. But then, yeah. so we were down to a pretty small group, kind of took them on a little trail that um, I've seen on maps that I'd never been on. 
It was a, it was a little torn Jesse's up. Shake, Jesse's sitting there shaking her head behind you as you're talking. Oh, yeah. It was a it pretty was a, uh, yeah yeah. It was a steep climb, um, a lot of soft dirt and rock, and uh, we had uh, Christian was actually with us on the second trip and was pulling his trailer. Everybody got up the hill fine. I think it 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 you know it was first thing in the morning. Um, it woke everybody up really really quickly. The rest of the trip was amazing. We uh, we actually got all the way over Guller, uh, Wash, and and Mangle Pass, and stayed at a little place called Warm Springs, which was um, uh, Louise Grantham's property, a talc mine in the valley. Met some people yeah, yeah. that we know. Oh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah, well the, before you do that, like Warm Springs, because so, that was one of the ones I got a spot the message on, right? And uh-huh. it looked to me like a couple of different houses and a swimming pool. Yep. Yep. Is that, yep. is that so, swimming pool part of the springs? It's still there. There. There's actually a warm springs that comes out of the, the hill and back. Yeah. Uh, Louise Grantham, one of the more more um, profitable women that were mining in, in Death Valley ever. Uh, a profitable was, woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and she, she did a really good job. She ran a really nice mine and had bunkhouses for her staff. And it was a talc mine. Uh, there's a couple of really large talc mines uh, in that area. You know, we pulled up there and here's a couple of Jeeps set up their tents already. And I'm like, well, you know, here we're, we're running into people everywhere. There were people at Barker's ranch where, where Manson got captured. There were people at geologist cabin, which is another one of our, our little spots. And we walk around the, the swimming pool. I'm going to still give everybody a tour, even though there's another group camping and, uh, Guy comes around the corner and he goes, hey, I know you guys. I listen to your podcast. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. And I'm, what, I'm what's the, what's the odds of that? I'm wow. ready for a confrontation, right? I'm ready. This guy's going to be like, hey, man, like we're, we're all here camping first. here and we were here for like and he. Um, so a shout out to uh, Mojave Mike is what Mojave he goes Mike. by. Wow. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. Got to chat with him for a little bit. And uh, the wind was blowing really hard. And we ended up all tucking up kind of into the other side of some of these bunkhouses and some trees uh, and had a great night, mm-hmm. actually. Um, no fire. The wind was blowing, blowing too hard. And, and actually, there, the fires aren't permitted inside the National Park unless you're in a, a National Park Service fire ring area. But uh, yeah, so then day three. We got back out on the highway. We went and took this second group to Badwater, actually walked all the way out into the salt, uh, the alkali flats in Badwater, uh, 282 feet below sea level. Wow. And then uh, went up, took them to Mesquite Dunes on the other side of Stovepipe Wells. And we actually stayed in the Stovepipe Wells campground, um, which was, was fabulous. And you know, it was we, 80 degrees. 80 degrees. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it felt really, <laughs> everybody was kind of ready for some heat. Um, yeah. It, and you know, again, it's, it's kind of funny when we're out there and we're at a campground to me, because then you're around, you know, a hundred other uh, RVs and campers and, but you know what, it, they do a good job of keeping everything clean. There's regular bathrooms, there's the convenience store, there's fuel, uh, all of those little creature comforts, if you will. So it was good. It was a really good trip. Next morning, I took everybody out to the Keen Wonder Mine, and uh, we did a little hiking out there. And uh, yeah, everybody headed for for home. Uh, one of one of our folks was headed back to Mississippi. Um, we had some folks from California. Of course, Alex going back to Minnesota. Yeah, it was it was a good time awesome, for sure. Awesome. I have to know, Jesse. So, how was it taking Funshine out? Like it was good. So- She's got some little uh, love marks. But she she did excellent, of course. Um, I had no problems other than, you know, falling to my death off the side of the hill. That didn't happen, but... Oh, that sounds like a Matson moment. What do you... What? Not when the other guys are telling me you almost came off the side of that hill. Wow. I was, I was spotting her there. She wasn't going to... She was never in any... Like, I'm going to direct her to drive off the side I of the know, cliff. But so, it, so versus you know, like an actual Matson moment where Corey's going... Stop, stop, stop. Is no, my he's like, I'm, about to go come on. I'm like, come, come on. on. And I'm like, ah. she did have an interesting <laughs> issue in the yes, uh, JL where she's manually shifting, she's in four low, mm-hmm. she's in two, 
it, the vehicle stopped and I said, come on, she's to the floor and nothing, nothing was happening. And I switched it back down to one and it's still like to the floor. It and just it would just, it go. wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like, there was no response at all. And I'm like, give it some gas. And she's like, it's to the floor and it's just sitting there. So I had her back oh. up a little bit and kind of go. It, it rolled through it. And then, then once it came up, it was fine. You yeah. know, that's that two liter turbo, but it's never done that before. Yeah, that's, um, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. That. It was kind of odd. And I, then, yeah, the yeah. axle walk was giving me fits for some reason, even in oh. too high. Yeah. Weird. So the axle lock on the front, that little mm-hmm. clip that goes into the differential for the electric locker. Yeah. She, it, it was kept flashing on the dash and it won't stop. It'll just sit it's there like and go. It's like a seat belt. Ding, you don't have yeah. your seat belt. Yeah. Uh, and if it's, if it comes unclipped or something, it won't work. Like it just goes. So she, shut um, she actually reached under the ether and she said it clicked. And it, so somehow so it must've come separated a little bit or something. And then it, it didn't yeah. give us any more issues. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we, I mean, it, it was, it was fabulous. Yeah. I think we had a Toyota guy that was a, 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 um, a passenger of one of our other uh, attendees mm-hmm. and after being drive. in the jeeps and stuff and he was i think he sold he's like i'm selling my toyota and i'm gonna buy a jeep it's too it's so much smoother than my toyota oh nice yeah, yeah. nice that's cool that's cool well it's that how about the the change because i know i've got to tell our listeners that when going out with Corey and jesse when they're in the gladiator it was like 15 minutes to set up 15 minutes <laughs> to tear down like they had a routine you watch them and it's like this this organized yes. synchronicity going on between <laughs> the two of them where they're just like doom, doom, doom. Like they know whose job it is to do what, and they just get it done and get it set up and get it torn down. What was it like doing the fun shine, a whole new routine? <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit of, okay, what's in this drawer? What's in this drawer? Oh my God. I think we packed less. I think we took less. And we, by the end we were better because we kind of were knowing where stuff was at, but it's still a, I think we all, and, and I think the consensus from both groups is, you know, we all bring too much stuff. We really do. Yeah. You know, Aaron was with us on the first trip and I got to hand it to him and his daughter. Um, I don't think Aaron, I don't think they, he brings very much stuff. No. He still has a lot of room in the back of his Jeep. And I think we could take a lot less. It's hard. I noticed, well, maybe it's my excuse. I noticed when we're guiding, of course, I take a lot more stuff just because in case I ha- right. we have to help somebody else. Right. Um, yeah. But maybe that's just my excuse to take more stuff. Yeah, but you're, you're a Boy Scout like me, though. I'm that guy, too. Like, I know I exactly sure what I need to pack. You and somebody right. else. You got to pick Right. I'm ta- I'm, this is the exact food I need. This is the exact things I want. This is the exact stuff I need. Oh, by the way, I'm going to take double that just in case. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. Exactly. Or, or I'm gonna, I, I might as well throw that in there. I might as well throw that in there. God, what would happen if this girl, you know, you, you start thinking about all those what if scenarios and you end up having more stuff than you need. Yeah. So you're digging through all of that to get to the stuff you actually need. To get to the stuff you actually I mean, and food is is horrible because for me, uh, we all know how it. Like, you all of a sudden you blow through lunch. You're like, oh, I'm not even hungry. And then dinner comes around, and you're like, yeah, let's just do something simple instead of cooking tonight. Well, now all of a sudden you're you're done. You extra food, yep. You've got all this yeah. extra food, and one day goes by, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know. And if the weather's bad, you don't want to really cook. But she did good. We we had some some good meals and and our new little. Little scottle, uh, little scottle. Great. Um, it, it packs worked. away smaller. It cools down quicker. It yeah. heats up wow. quicker. It's so wow. much better. I mean, and that was a I guy. In his, that's his guy in his garage. Seven X Off Road. Seven X Off Road. Who makes the little? And it's it's a it's a great little design, and it's it's well done, and it's just easy. The big scottle, we love it, especially if we're making food for a lot of people. But that it's cast iron surface, so it's heavy. Nothing packs easy. Yeah, it's just, just big. So the new scuttle, what's the surface for the new scuttle? It's steel. Mm-hmm. It's steel. Okay, cool. That's good. Like yeah. a walk. It's like a like walk, a walk, but it's a less dish. It has a drain off is, of is one it side. Thin, super thin, like a walk is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. And he well, and it, he created a lip on it, so it also on the back of it has a straight angle. Ah. So you can put a burner. It's got so two burners. So he made a little burner that hooks onto it. 
and you can do your cowboy coffee or boil water while you're cooking something else or whatever. I That's actually, wow. we just put up, I put up a reel this morning. I haven't put it on modern Jeeper yet. It's still on my personal Instagram, but it's a reel and it shows that little thing. Cool. We'll check yeah. it out. Check it out. We'll give you a link to the, to those guys. That's awesome. I love it when good people make good products. Yeah. Right. You know, like, like metal cloak does every day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have to say, well, awesome. yeah, Funshine was is like butter. I yeah. wish I could put everybody in that Jeep and, and let them, them drive it and see the difference that yeah, it, our it, suspension makes on every vehicle. You thought the ride was rough? This is like butter. It's crawling over rocks and it's just you light. Don't even know. It's easy. Yeah. It's simple. It works well. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's a, it is one of those things you always kind of wonder like is there a way of having like okay we're gonna do a test drive we're gonna go to an event we're gonna have a test drive just like bfg has this little trail yeah that's but what i said here, here we're gonna now here's this rig right this is this this is a perfectly properly built rig and then there's a metal click rig like yep. you know it's just and because people don't know i mean you really don't know the difference unless you've driven right it. you just don't and it's it's you see it all over the internet like Oh well, you know, joints joints don't make a difference. Like it doesn't doesn't matter that a Johnny joint is hard mm-hmm. rock. It doesn't make a difference. Like that's not what makes a difference on a vehicle suspension, and you can't tell on the ride quality, dude. You don't know until you try it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Hey, talk about the um, this whole recall thing that we just got notice of. Yeah, yeah. So so let me understand this correctly. Uh, and I, you and I were kind of joking about this before, but this is on like manual transmissions, right? Right. So I, I swear to God, there there is an executive in Jeep going, wait, 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 how many do we have to recall? Okay, wait, yeah. Did we seriously build that many manual transmissions? Like, who the hell bought these things? Because I don't well, know. Was, got, it, you know anybody who's got a manual transmission? I, I, it was weird because it was starting out with just gladiators that were having, you know, I. I kind of think, I don't know why it reminds me of Angry Birds, but the title is, of course, Exploding Clutches. Right. <laughs> um, I love that. Exploding Clutches. Exploding Fire, Clutches. Diamond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So now they say they're recalling 70,000 Wranglers and Gladiators manual transmissions Did they for really exploding sell clutches. That many? 70,000, apparently. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Those were that's all that's all to like you know the far east or something. I, like where do those actually? Something. Who who buys no. manual trans? I mean, is right. this like the most basic one? Now, I do remember. I remember Cal Four Wheel used to always do the cheap man. Like they would get manual transmission. Like they right. they could only afford. They would get the most basic 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 model of a rig. It'd be manual transmission, no amenities. On that was with the JK. Like the JL, they started out like you just you just can't really find those. It's like a special order thing, right? Right. I don't like go down to your local dealership right now, and unless they're a dealership that has a whole slew of rigs, I don't think you're gonna find a manual transmission amongst their fleet because people just mm-hmm. aren't buying that stuff. You know, and and so in fact, I will like to say Cal Four with this last year, they raised one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for their gladiator that that was built by our friend Ben Verosa. It was mainly a Gen Right Ben Verosa build, but it was that gladiator raised one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, seventy thousand dollar profit for the for the Cal Four wheel, which is awesome. Uh, the next rig, guys, the next rig. This is a tangent, but the next rig now is being built by. Uh, our buddy Dirt Every Day, um, oh, right. and and uh, if Fred Williams is yep. building it with Warren, so it's going to be Warren. Warren, Factor Fifty Five, Fab Fours, Fab Tech. I mean, it's that whole family of companies. So they're building the entire rig. Mm-hmm. Um, so Metal Cloak's not going to be on it. We might. I'm trying to like get it, but it's another Gladiator. They got. I think they got a red Gladiator, and they're building it up completely. And that won't be for 23. Metal Cloak will be back in charge for 2024. And we gotcha. have something very, very, very special up our sleeve. So you know, the anticipation starts now. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, it, that was, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, I just, uh, the, the amount of the, mm-hmm. I, so what I read was that the uh, recall of course is probably going to negate the class action lawsuit that w- was filed because of this exploding clutch or clutch issues so yeah one, that's that that's the only reason for the recall then <laughs> right hey i know how to get rid of this class action we'll just bring them all right. back 
You need to bring a wall back. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what it, it, it's, it's again, I'm still trying to figure out like, yes, I actually enjoy like, okay. So our, our JK, our 2009 JK was a stick shift. You know, my YJ or TJ, all that stick shift, right? We have an LJ here now that, that was automatic and, but I actually enjoy the, the control you get out of stick shift. Yep. But the, the, what do they even call it anymore? Like when you go you know, manual, when you put it in manual mode, what's that technically called? Uh, uh yeah. Um, we outside. just call it yeah, manual, mode. Slap, manual mode, slap your shifter. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it was, it was Jeremy Rowan, our buddy at Outlaw Jeep Adventures. When I went wheeling in with him, one of his rigs that kind of taught me the value of that. Right. Like I, yeah. I, I never really use it. It's that's there. Maybe, you know, you go, you're out there driving, you want a little control your power, like you might a little speed, but actually wheeling with that, you don't really need a stick shift. You just don't need it. You know, and you, and, and, and these days, especially with the way the transmission works, you just don't need it. So I, I'm still surprised there were 70,000. Well, you know, we last year on the CTI tour, we were seeing, I think it's kind of a, maybe it's a back East thing. Um, We saw a lot of stick shifts back East and I, I don't know what it was because everybody then has, you know, they struggle with getting up on the trailer and not, you know, trying to dump the clutch and get up on the ramps. And uh, it's always kind of an entertainment value for us. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, you can get them up on the trailer, and then, you, man, what's that smell? Well, that's your your clutch disc. Get your exploding clutch. It's gonna. They can't drive it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's that fun fun smell. I love the smell of exploding clutches in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, this has been another great episode. Boy, we're right at the one hour mark. That's perfect. Any more to talk about? Any no, cool, we're gonna. What, what was your we're favorite go... gadget, you guys? Do you guys take any cool gadgets this this time? Anything I got a new, new light. Oh, yeah. Jesse bought me a light and it was somebody that we had met at the Keystone show, a company that's in uh, North Carolina. And it's S-T-R-K. I want to say strikers. What I always think it is S-T-R-K, I believe. Uh, Yeah. And we'll have to I'll have to we'll have to get it out and uh, bring it up on a a, a later episode. But it, it was really cool. It's instead of the big alien disc that, you know, I have like it's got a solar panel on top and a bunch of lights and it's great for a group, Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. Pack but it's, but it's big. It's, it's kind of round and the tripod's kind of clunky. This is super simple. It's on a, a little tripod, but it's very small. And the light literally is about that big around and it'll light up 20 foot radius. And it packs in a little pack that big. goes in a little wow. bitty package. About, and yeah. yeah. Little wow. We'll have to cool. bring it up future. So that's awesome. It has awesome. multi-functions. It's yeah. pretty cool. Multi what? Multi-functions? Multifunctions. Does it strobe for a dance party? Uh-huh. It does, and it has. A, it's also got a red light to it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's boots and hats, and boots and hats, and boots and hats. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey guys, hey Modern Jeepers, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been another great episode. By the way, check out if you haven't checked it out. Check out the episode number two hundred eight. Uh, fun interview with uh, with um, uh, Tomb Raider Wrangler. Um, I found it. S T K R concepts. S T K R striker concepts. Yes, striker. S T K R type concepts. Well, great. See, I just keep adding my little wish list. If I keep doing this all year, then I'll have a Christmas list for Louisa. Yeah, there you go. So it's not not all about just like, well, put on your Amazon list that you like want. What? You know, like what? Yeah, what? But yeah, great, great, great interview with um, Christy Knox last week. Um, cool. and then uh you know which was which was fun to do um we got more coming up we got some other influencers in fact i want to get um i want to get alex on the show definitely too, probably in the next couple of weeks once he's all settled in and got his rig back and we can we can get his perspective and he's working cool. on the video right for, yep yep he'll be awesome. he'll be piecing it all together over the next couple of weeks and i'm sure he's overwhelmed the amount i mean he had a ton of, of content so and he brought his friend um, andreas and andreas is a cinematographer wow. learning and helping alex and he was a great um asset to the team great addition we enjoyed them being out they captured a lot of cool content we talked over dinner last night with alex and what direction we were wanting to go and to make this personable for everybody so it's going to be exciting when it comes out that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, here's to doing more of that. Now, guys, by the way, by the way, okay, I said this last week's episode. I'm going to say it again, and I even said it this morning. 
there's something special happening in the modern Jeep adventure world. You are not going to want to miss modern Jeeper adventures in Moab. Okay. Memorial weekend. Most likely I will be there. Um, I say most likely because you'd never know when the when the switch switches and Matson can't make it. I'm supposed to be. In <laughs> it Valley. happens, yes. But but that's the goal. So it really is important. And so if you have any inkling at all at joining us, in Modern Ship Adventures in Moab, this is the one to do it on. Okay. And in fact, we might uh, we have a limit, but we don't really have a limit in Moab, so we may be opening it right. up. Just make this a real special one and open it up more than we we really put in there. So go on there, modernshipadventures.com and uh and and register and just be a part of it because it's going to be very special and uh it's 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 uh it, it we have a lot a lot of ideas about about this one and uh but if you have anything if you have any questions reach out to me matt's at metalclook.com cory at metalclook.com jesse metalclook.com and uh and otherwise i know the cti tour man like what's your first next is is Easter Jeep Safari, your next Easter season. Jeep Safari. Yep. Easter Jeep yeah. Safari will be the first one, and then it is going to be a whirlwind of a year. So yeah. Uh, yeah. we'll get a schedule up, and we'll be sharing that through all the social media channels, and, and uh, we'll post it somewhere. We'll be reaching so. out to quite a bit of folks, so stay yeah. tuned. And if you hear me calling, you better pick it up. <laughs> yep, there's a lot going on, guys, a lot going on. We have one a hell of a year scheduled. I think we're going to end up doing, like, you know, 4,000 CTIs this year. It's going to be insane. Something. Um, yeah. And we're, yeah. And it's, it's, it's CTI is, is if you haven't done it yet, you got to go do it. So you got to be it, but pay attention, watch us, say hi to us. And if we happen to show up at you next year camp, come over, give us a bear hug. It's okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for joining us. It's been another amazing episode of the modern Jeeper show. And from all of us to all of you, we'll see you on the trails. Cheers. See ya. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.